Hello and welcome to Rolling for Loot. I'm your host, Shakti. And I'm your other host, Timotep, and this is Episode 5. Today, we will be discussing game delivery systems, mostly for uh, gaming delivery systems. We're also going to do a review of my favorite Steam-delivered game, which is Shogun 2. We're also going to be talking about transmog tips for the world of Warcraft. So we're going to jump right in with um, game delivery systems. Um, first, uh, uh, basically, what I'm talking about, my experiences are limited to Steam Origins and uh, Direct-to-Drive. Now, so, I don't have a tremendous amount of experience, so that's what we're going to limit ourselves to. But for people who aren't familiar with what we're talking about, um, we're talking about digital distribution, digital rights management, multiplayer communication platforms. These are developed typically by large companies, Valve Corporation, EA Games, Amazon, places like that. They provide a single um, source for distribution of digital media, books, games, uh, music, and uh, streaming, uh, streaming data and things like that. It's where the future lie, and it's where we're moving towards it, whether we approve of it or not. All right, that was my question, actually, was what exactly is a game delivery system? Content delivery system, digital distribution, DRM, all that kind of stuff. They all so basically fall under the same heading. This differs from actually going to a game's website and downloading it from them. How? Uh, in its simplest form, it doesn't. It really is basically the same um, what it offers in on its surface it has more features than just going to for example Bethesda software and downloading a game mm -hmm. this brings uh, a community together it it finds where appropriate it'll find you a game partner or uh, other players to play with it gives you a forum where you can explore other features of the game and you can um, find feedback on the game and for games primarily for the PC games where you can do changes in the game where you can do modding and where you can do um, some customization this will provide a community that also shares your desire to do that it also has uh, the advantage of when you have signed up for this service that you get automatic updates so if I go to Bethesda software and order the game and it's a digital version of the game mm -hmm. they are going to let me download the game from their website or from some database source that they have and then I have to install it into my computer and then in three months if there's a patch I have to go and find first of all is there a patch where is that patch hosted what kind of changes are going to happen when I put that patch into my game uh, is it going to mess with any of my save games etc etc so that's a, a really big uh, feature of these uh, game delivery platforms. Um, other features of them are things like they offer a, or they're beginning to offer a Steam, uh, Steam, a cloud-based <laughs> um, save option. So for somebody like myself who plays on more than one computer, I have my main computer, which is where all my main games are stored. So I play on my main computer and I play my Grand Theft Auto <clears throat> San Andreas, and <laughs> and I, I I make my progress in the game, and now because of my job, I have to go away from my main computer for a while. With Steam, I can fire up my laptop wherever I happen to be, 
Mm-hmm. And Steam says, oh, hey, you have a different version of your saved game than what you recently played. Do you want to update the version on your laptop to match the one that you most recently played, in this case the one from your home computer, or do you want us to replace the saved one with the one on your laptop? So does it still save a copy on your on your computer as a backup? or It just syncs up the different copies. Yeah. I see. Okay. And so it just keeps it. It's uh, like a... a a Dropbox or a toolbox where you can actually sync multiple computers can sync the same version of the game. So you're not regressing any. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to, to signing up with this feature, uh, prior to that ability, if you played it on one computer and then you played it again on a different computer, there was no way to coordinate them. You found that you were either missing out on stuff or you were not uh, carrying forward, and this right. uh, eliminates that. Okay. Um, handy. It is it, it's it's quite useful, particularly like I say, if you're a player who likes to play a lot of games, this simplifies a lot of the uh, a lot of the um, headache that goes along with having multiple computers, updating, installing, uh, patching, um, anything. It's automatic. The minute a developer releases a patch for a game that you have that is supported through that platform, I mean, bam, you're getting that sucker. Right away. There's mm-hmm. no waiting and there's no – and then in addition to that, you have access to a uh, wealth of other little tools all in one location. And anyone who knows me knows how much I, I appreciate convenience, and uh, that is a big convenience. So why is the whole gaming world not on one of these systems? Um, traditional. Well, I wasn't for a long time, and I can tell you that it had to do with the limitations of the system. It's not a perfect system yet. Um, there are still issues with the system. One of the biggest objections that a lot of players have is that they don't have their own discs. They don't have the option to play the games from a disc. Uh, the traditional mindset being that if I don't have that disc, that I can't play that game when I want. I have to play it when somebody else says that it's all right. Um, and that is a valid point for some of the games. A second issue is um, the digital rights management, which is the uh, technology used in place to prevent piracy. Um, digital rights management has traditionally been handled by having um, files, encrypted files on the CD that the game uses to verify that you have a legitimate copy of the game. Now, online gaming does that by using various other types of digital rights management and protection. And uh, Steam and Origins and um, Direct-to-Drive, I, uh, I, I, I'm going to not talk about things I don't... Uh, I don't know how these other systems manage their DRM, uh, but Steam and Origins does it through... Um, the software that they have. You buy the software through them or you register purchased software with them and then they um, maintain your digital rights to that software. Gotcha. Um, And so for people that don't like to be tracked by Big Brother, this becomes (laughs) a problem. And uh, I think that because the industry is moving that way, Many players, whether they like it or not, are going to wind up having to move that way. And I was a huge opponent of Steam. Not that many years ago, <laughs> I railed against Steam for the for the restrictions that they had. Not because the idea is bad, but because the um, 
the technology didn't support the idea. So essentially, though, to play these games, you still need an Internet connection. Is that correct? To receive current updates, to update your cloud-based save version of the game to sync multiple computers, uh, to get any of the latest patches, to access community features, yes, you need to have an, an active Internet connection. Uh, also, the first time you load a game, in order to validate your copy of that game, you also need an active Internet connection. However, once you have successfully activated or um, validated your your game, you can now choose to play that game offline. Doing so, where you get a friendly little pop-up that will remind you, doing so will not allow you to do some of the features of the game which is common sense. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you're not on the Internet, you can't play multi-version types of games. Yeah, I need an Internet for that. So, But other than that, it's it's been handled. That was one of my main objections. All righty. In previous incarnations. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we get into, I mean, obviously the one that you're most familiar with is Steam. Why don't you get into a, an actual review of it? The, the basic... Um, platform for Steam has come an awful long way. Um, they have had, uh, let me see, uh, I think they've been around for about seven years now. Um, some people who like statistics, I'm one of those people. So here's some some numbers. Uh, as of January of 2012, there are over 1,500 games available through Steam. They have more than 40 million active user accounts. Uh, the highest that's number of huge. users. That's huge. That's 40 million active user accounts. That doesn't count people that had previously had accounts that have gone inactive. That doesn't track people that um, are getting their information or sharing accounts. You've got one account, four users in a, in a in a home environment or anything like that. That's 40 million active users. That's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the highest number of users online at the same time uh, to date was January 12th. Correction, January 2nd, 2012, and that was 5 million players online through Steam at the same time. That might have something to do with all the sales they were having this, this holiday well, season. Well, they were having an awful lot of sales this year. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Yeah. It's good times. Uh, Valve never releases sales figures. That's not part of their um, Operatus, uh, operandus modi, whatever they call it, modus operandi? Yeah. What, what's that called? Something like that, know. yeah. Uh, I don't know that <laughs> phrases. Anyways, they don't, they don't, um, they don't much, uh, get into that kind of, uh, how much they've sold or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the service to sign up for Steam is free. It's a free download. You can run the software for free and you will still have access to the community and everything else. But in order to have a game, you have to purchase a game. Mm-hmm. Cracked versions of the games obviously aren't going to work, <laughs> and uh, some of the older games that you can get now through a digital uh, distribution, you may still have on desk. I know this is an issue that I have, but because those games are not protected through digital rights management, I'm having difficulty getting them registered with Steam. Mm-hmm. So anybody out there who knows how to register some of these older games, post and let us know so that <laughs> I can uh, I can know. Um, but uh, Stardock, which was the uh, the former owner of a competing platform, Impulse, estimated in 2009 that Steam had 70% share of the digital distribution market for video games. Wow. And 
Origins, which was formerly EA Games, but it's now Central Point, when they launched um, earlier this year, they talked about um, about the competition between Origin and Steam, and they are really sort of saying that they are not uh, they are not competing by withholding content. Um, EA has a practice of suspending or deleting accounts for any sort of disputed infraction. They don't give you any any heads up. If they think you're pirating their software, then you get the chop. Hmm. Uh, they are suspected of monitoring users' computers, so they're using a type of reverse view. They're watching what you're doing. So they've had a lot of problems with that. Yeah, they're really doing the Big Brother thing. Yeah. There's a point where uh, you have suspicious to, there. <laughs> there's a point where you have to decide reasonable uh protective measures where you're going to put some reasonable measures in in place versus where you've gone too far. And so far their current system Origin, which was EA Store, uh EA Download Manager, EA Link um, EA stands for Electronic Arts. They're a very large game manufacturer. They also make some of my favorite games. Um, anyway, so they've had this um, sort of ongoing battle with with their customer base, and um, they want they have stated they want to match Valve's Steam service with with um, the scope. They want to be able to offer the same kinds of things that Steam offers, and they want to be able to do it as well. Um, because really, right now, Steam is basically the World of Warcraft to the game distribution system. They are the juggernaut right now. Now, they may not remain the juggernaut forever, but for now, they're the one. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see some other numbers here. Right now, as of February of 2012, Origin has been installed by just over 9 million people. Mm-hmm. So 9 million versus 40 million active people. And that's not counting how many people have installed it and no longer use it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's 40 million active versus 9 million that have installed it. They're not talking about how many they actually have using it. Um, some of their big games are um, uh, Battlefield 3 and... Are we talking Home. Origin or Steam? Origin, we're still talking oh, okay. about Origin, sorry. All right. um, Battlefield 3, and so they've only got maybe 10 or 12 really big titles that they mm-hmm. can that they can uh, sort of build a platform on, whereas Steam software has some really big games from some really big uh, developers, Activision, Rockstar Games, Bethesda Software. They also carry Electronic Arts games. Mm-hmm. Um, then they've got a whole bunch of uh, independent publishers, which is really where the strength of Steam comes from, is that new, small, independent marketers uh, can bring their games to Steam and have a distribution point that has a very low cost. <coughs> so the, the it's going to be an uphill battle for Origin. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know at, at this point whether... Um, Origin is a, is available on the Mac, but I know Steam is also available for Mac. Mm-hmm. Uh, has been for a couple of years now, as far as I remember. Um, and Steam is also available on PS3, and it may also be available on the Xbox. I can't say that for makes sure sense. though. But um, anyways, yeah. Next question. That's it. That's all the questions Nothing. I have so far. 
Um, I am a big fan of Steam now. I was not because of the issues they had with the digital rights management, because of the limitation when I buy a game. And let's be honest, I buy the game. It's my game. Uh, the previous incarnations of Steam that I was familiar with made it very difficult for me to play that game without an active Internet connection. That issue, as I mentioned earlier, has been resolved. So that's a good thing. Um, secondly, um, the prices are, at worst, they're the same as buying it in a retail store. So, yeah, if not cheaper. And very often, very, very often, they are mm -hmm. cheaper than purchasing it in a retail store. Yes. Um, and then they have their sales, which <laughs> are, like, ridiculous, where they're, they're taking their regular title prices at 75 and 80, 90% off. So even if, if you only wanted to log into Steam and you only wanted to buy games that were under $2 each, you would have a plethora, that means yes. a lot, of games. Not to mention all the demos that are available and, that and you can play for free. free. Demos, And then when you do buy games, most of the time if you buy the games, you get free DLC, uh, downloadable content. That is just added on. You've already paid for the game. Now here's all the free downloadable content. They also have additional bonus packs. Um that you can that you can purchase for a price. Now I bought uh, um, Magic the Gathering 2012, mm -hmm. and I bought a bundle pack for it, which came with all the downloadable content available. But you can buy the basic game, and for whatever the price is, like six dollars or something like that, you buy the game, and then as you play, you want to purchase these other packs, these DLCs. And they're like 99 cents each, 99 cents, 99 cents, 99 cents. You just pick it up whenever you like. So it's great. It's also easy to buy games for other people. Christmas. <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> It really is. It really was. We, we, we have a technology that really, if you just accept it with its limitations, it's not perfect. I, I want people to understand it's not perfect. There are still problems. If you have uh, issues with your internet connection, then you're going to have issues with using these platforms. It doesn't matter which one. They're all going to have the same problem. Another issue that people are, that some people may have that I know this is a problem I'm having, I'm going to be reformatting my main computer here soon, and I have 190 gigabytes of Steam games installed. I do not want to download 190 gigabytes of Steam game again. However, the community, the Steam community, has uh, put forth many suggestions on how you can avoid re-downloading all your games more than once. So this, if this is an issue, you can actually now download your games using the Steam client. You can back them up to a um, writable media, so put them on a DVD or put them on a rewritable DVD or a, excuse me, a large removable USB drive. And now you've got them, and there they are, bang, done. So, you know, the the one or two little hiccups that you may run into while you're using them, they are uh, slowly smoothing them over and smoothing them over. I'm sure if we all think back far enough to other, other types of systems where we had this, when World of Warcraft first came out, there were all kinds of problems. Mm -hmm. You know, at least once a week, you, were, you weren't able to log into the game. <laughs> so at least once a week. And that wasn't counting when they shut the servers down for maintenance. That was just like, you know, Thursday afternoon or Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. they, oh, the, the, the 
login server wasn't working or the, the network validation server wasn't working or the realms were down or whatever. There was problems all over the place. So anything that's only been around for seven or eight years that's grown as big as this has um, is going to have those kinds of problems. All right. So why don't we move on to your favorite game? My favorite game through Steam is also, oddly enough, one of my absolute favorite games of all time, and that is <laughs> Total War Shogun 2. Oh, uh, I don't even know where to begin. This game is so awesome on so many levels. Anyone that is familiar with the Total War series has, uh, if you've been following it from the beginning, has watched this game evolve, uh, this um, genre, I suppose you could say, but it's not a genre. What's the word I'm looking for here? This, uh, this series has evolved, this franchise has evolved from a really pretty, pretty good little game 10 or 12 years ago to a groundbreaking, uh, record-shattering, uh, high-level bar-setting game. And uh, these guys really, they get it. This is a first, uh, the type of game is a strategy game. You get, uh, it's traditional Japan kind of uh, theme. So you have a lot of Japanese uh, um, artwork and uh, the voice actors have a distinctly, not Japanese, Japanese accent. <laughs> uh, my life, I had lots of opportunities to work with people from Japan who were learning English. And the accents, while they are flawlessly correct as an accent is concerned, you know these are Japanese voice actors uh, acting like Japanese. Uh, it's 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 too clean. and it's, <laughs> So I, I'm pretty sure that it's, it's sort of a middle ground uh, fake accent. But anyways, uh, enough of that. Um, the gameplay is smooth. If you have a top-end uh, computer, you're going to really appreciate the graphics in this game. The AI is, is splendid. really takes advantage of the terrain. It takes advantage of the unit types. And uh, if you're looking for a game that is a strategy game that is um, a challenge on its own, this is definitely one that you're going to want to look into. And in addition to that, it also has an option for multiplayer. So not only can you pit your brain against your computer's AI, but now you can pit it against your best friend's AI and see how well he or she can do against you. Um, it also supports uh, an online style of play where you can do what's called a drop-in game. So I will load the game up and play the game, and I have the option to enable a drop-in player. So whenever I come to a point where I have to engage in a battle, the system, in this case Shogun 2 and Steam, will find me an opponent who will play my enemy. So That's now cool. I'm. Yeah, and that makes it way harder. Because <laughs> the computer, once you get a feel for the computer, you really can start outsmarting the computer by just doing things a little unusual. But you, you're really going to have a hard time doing that against other players because, let's be honest, they're doing the same thing right back to you. So it really takes a new level to this game. And um, I haven't spent a lot of time on the online version of the game because I have not yet actually beaten the game. So know, right? how is the difficulty then? Is it just because it is difficult or it's, what is the... A part, for me, it's a... It, I'll get into the personal reasons why I haven't finished the game in just a minute, but the difficulty level is not um, – it's its really well balanced. It's not impossibly difficult. I'm playing it on the normal setting. 
Uh, it's not impossibly difficult. It is achievable. You have to really play the game. You can't just steamroll your way through this. This is not going to work. Um, the game's AI is looking for those kinds of things. And so it's it really makes you take your time and strategize and really play a more tactical game than to just, all right, I'm going to build all the toughest character <laughs> models and I'm just going to attack everybody all at once and win. Yeah. No, Blitzkrieg isn't going to work in this game. Um, at least it hasn't worked for me so far. Um, I'm just saying. Uh, but one of the drawbacks that I have with the game is there is a tremendous amount of waiting, waiting, waiting. Um, it's a factor of the game, and I realize that in the at the long end of the game, when you get closer to the end of the game, the way that it handles the AI's moves and stuff like that is going to be quite useful. You're going to get some information back from that. But at the start of the game, just to go through, you don't have the option to just skip five turns, where a lot of games have that capability. This game, you have to play every turn. So even though I want to wait, and uh, I'm not doing anything new, I'm waiting for a, a unit to be built, or I'm waiting for an upgrade to happen, or I'm moving armies from one spot to another, and I just want to get them there, on, on other games, they have the option to just click and go advance five turns. This one... You have to click through each turn, and then every turn there's a pop-up telling you what you're getting for that turn. And um, it just, after like three or four hours of that, it just drags on my nerves. <laughs> and so I have to stop and put it aside. And uh, I also had some technical difficulties with my Steam installation because I have a non-standard installation on my home computer. And so I ran into some problems, which I am slowly getting sorted out. Um and uh, I've been able to get the game working again. And since I got it working, I've started playing again. And I love it. I just I just think it's great. Awesome. So just a couple details on the game in case you're interested in trying it yourself. It is available on Steam for $29.99 US. Which is a bargain. A bargain, I say. <laughs> you can also download the demo and try it yourself right on that website. Um, it's been out for about a year now. So it's it's, you know. Stand, uh, it's available anyway. It's, it's yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. And it's <laughs> available for Windows 7 XP and Vista. All right. So moving on to our final topic of the day, we're going to be talking about transmog tips for the World of Warcraft, which has absolutely nothing to do with our first two topics. But you know, I wanted to talk but about it. It's important that everybody look pretty. It is. We all must look good. If you're going to be staring at your tune, I've heard this argument many times. We'll discuss this in another podcast. If you're going to be staring at your tune for however many hours in a week, you want them to look good. Yeah, so, I want to just make a comment on that. I don't transmog my tune because I'm staring at my tune. I transmog my tune so other people will stare at my tune. Yeah, yeah. That's that happens why. a lot, too, if yes, you have a good set. If you set. have a good, unique transmog set, yes. people will, will look and uh, it. <laughs> Uh, my paladin has an excellent transmog set. Really I'm just does. saying, he he's really all, he's all gold and sparkly. Golden? Well, he's not. Well, yeah, he kind he's of sparkly. He's a blood he's, elf. He's a blood elf. You they can't help it. They're, they're born sparkly. That's what that's what they do. That's right. So I thought I would today give you a few tips on where to start when you're thinking about transmog and whatnot. If you haven't done this already, um, and a few things you may want to look at. So first of all, you need to decide on what set you want to build. Um, 
if you're going to go with an actual set. And there's a few websites out there actually that you should check out if you're if you have no idea where to start. Go uh the first one I want to recommend is wowroleplaygear.com and I'll add these links into the show notes. Um this website is actually very cool. It was designed as an RP um website where you could go and you if you're an RP player, you decide on what kind of character you're playing and create your gear based off that character. So you can actually do a search uh, now by gear type, cloth, leather, etc. You could do a search by what type of character you want to do, want to play. You can find the dungeon and tier sets in there. And it gives you a really great, once you find the set that you're looking for, it gives you a really great how-to um, for each of the items in the set. Another website that you definitely want to check out, and this website is invaluable for many things, um, not only transmog, is wowed, wowhead.com. Wowhead has a really great transmog uh, feature on there. You want to choose database slash transmog sets um, on the on the options there. And then you can, again, search adjust your search parameters based on your gear there as well, so your leather, your cloth. You can also search by color which, as a caveat, I have not gotten to work on my browser. Um, I use Chrome, and it doesn't seem to work for me, and I refuse to try any other browser just for one little thing. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's really quite handy. It also allows you to save items uh, for your own gear set. So if, you're, if you found something interesting and you want to see how it's going to look on your tune, you can view it in the 3D viewer, and you can save it for later and add items to that gear set later on. Um, so that's very handy, and that's how I, I actually end up transmogging most of my sets, is I find one piece that I really love, and I build a set around that that really doesn't have um, uh, any kind of connection to each other. Well, that's a great way to build a non-traditional set. One of the things about transmogging, one of the, call it the the selling points of transmog, is to create a uniqueness in your character. But if everybody is all transmogged to the same gear sets <laughs> it's really hardly a uniqueness to it um, but if you find a unique piece uh, you can go into the uh, the soft the the um, drawing a blank here the witch you can go right into wowhead and see yes it, and then into the uh, oh what is this where going with this uh, the name of the part of Wowhead that does this, the, the, the featured <laughs> item that, that makes it possible for you to interact with the Wowhead database from Blizzard. What is it called? The 3D Viewer? The three, Well, before that. The 3D Viewer comes from putting all the items. Look at the... Um, oh, my Lord. I'm drawing a blank here. I'm going to have to open... <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying I'm to figure open this out Wowhead. Okay. Item comparison. The item, item comparison, comparison tool. tool. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's, That's what, what I mean. You can about. save your pieces in the item comparison tool and it then view it in the 3D viewer. That's right. You can open up an item comparison. You can add item sets based on the name of the set, not the pieces. Okay. Uh, you can also add individual items. You can drag them from column to column, from group to group. You can save all of the groups that you want to have. It's really a great a great tool. I think of all the tools that you're listing and going to list, I think the Wowhead tool set it is really the best. It's awesome. It really is. And I mean, you don't even have to log into your character to see how it's going to look. Just choose whichever race and, and uh, sex you are and see how it looks. It's it's excellent. I just absolutely love it. Highly recommend that one. Yes. Yes. And for all of the reasons above. 
It's also a great one if you already have a more or less complete transmog set and you want to see how a new item is going to interact with that transmog set. You can um, you can add that item without actually having to spend any money to transmog. Mm-hmm. So exactly. That's the Wowhead. That's on uh, Wowhead.com at uh, the Tools tab, and from the Tools tab, you just click on the Item Comparison option, and then on the right hand side of that, you have Item Item uh, Plus little green circle with a plus item, a little green circle with a plus item set, and a Help button. Um, and then uh, it also has other features, like you can compare items to each other, but that's not for transmog. That's for just finding out whether that new dagger that dropped is better than what you've got. So, <laughs> But that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. We'll talk about Wowhead another time. We'll do time. that. That'll be another, another topic. We could do a whole show just on Wowhead because yeah, it's it, a great it site. Really is I don't exciting. game uh, in World of Warcraft without having Wowhead open. <laughs> Pretty much. So another website that you may want to check out, it's not only for transmog, and they've just done a few posts that are interesting. Wow Insider has done a couple of transmog posts. They actually did a feature on, well, they said it was the um, the superheroes of, oh, I'm trying to complete blank. I knew I should have written this down. <laughs> Marvel? Marvel superheroes, which was essentially just the Avengers, but... You know, anyway, they've done the Avengers and they've done a few of the female characters, the female superheroes as well. That They're, they're Thor transmog. They have a Captain America transmog, which was just excellent. I, I really enjoyed what they did there. So take a look around. There's there's websites that have done pretty much the work for you. Um, if you are like me and you kind of want to build your own set that's unique that nobody else is going to have, the first thing I recommend is find a piece of gear that you love and build something around that. So if you have the Admiral's cap, for example, or Bergy Blackheart's handsome hat, which is also another pirate hat, um, you could <laughs> you could definitely build a set around that. There's a piratey theme being developed here, I think. Exactly. Queen Ajar's dressing gown, which is the fantastic purple um, cloth robe from archaeology that you can get through Night Elf Archaeology. Um, it's, a, it's a really nice piece. You can build a set around that. Just choose that and, again, go to Wowhead, see what works with it. Take a look at the item that you found as well. If you go onto Wowhead, type in that item name, read the comments that other people have put because there are some fantastic suggestions for transmog that people have come up with, and they'll usually link into the other items on in the comments as well. Another thing you may want to do, and I highly recommend this, is every rare that you find, kill it. Kill it. They... <laughs> Not only does it stop other people from getting the experience with the rare. <laughs> no, no, that's not how I roll. But anyway. Uh, that's how I roll. <laughs> the rares actually in the same level range will actually drop gear sets that work together. So, for example. It's important to mention, I just want to mention, they're not gear sets in the okay. traditional sense that they are a listed set. But they will be a series of pieces that will traditionally share the same name and or the same look so they will form an unofficial set that's right so for example in the mid 50s if you're burning around um if you're questing around the burning steps you'll find a number of rares in the mid 50s they have a pretty good chance of dropping emerald plate emerald plate is a totally green uh plate set that actually sells very well if you decide not to transmog it yourself. Um, if you have to find the Emerald Plate chest piece, which is a 
pretty rare piece. You can get quite a few gold for that in the auction house. Um, low to mid-level 20s drop banded gear, which is really nice uh, black with buckles, leather set. Um, it looks great on an undead rogue. That's how I have my rogue actually <laughs> transmog. Um, it, it looks excellent. So take a look at the different rares, what kind of pieces they drop. Um, it, it really is quite cool. You might find a whole set of gear that actually suits whatever tune you're trying to trying to gear out and it, it looks quite nice you check the auction house as well because people some people don't realize how how cool these look and they will put it on the auction house quite cheap as well uh dungeons will often drop interesting pieces there are pieces that drop in dungeons that you won't be able to find anywhere else for example lower black rock spire has some really cool weapons and shields. The one I'm thinking of in particular, there is a shield that drops there. I think it's lower black rock, might be upper. Um, but anyway, it's. I a, can't it, keep them straight anyway. Yeah, I know it's one of the black rock dungeons. It has, and it's the level sixty ones. Um, it has a shield that is a red dragon, kind of scrolling around the shield, and it looks incredible. And there is not another one in the game like it. And it's a super rare drop, so it might be worth your time to farm through and find a few, uh, few, few cool pieces out of dungeons. You also may want to look at crafted pieces. Um, there's some really interesting things to build a set off of. I know that... Um, I know a few Draenei players that really prefer like the Black Mage Weave set or the Red Mage Weave set that look really good. Um, there's also, I was speaking of the Emerald Plate earlier, there's actually a crafted Emerald, not Emerald piece, I think it's called Ivy. Ivy something. Ivy something. It looks just like the Emerald Plate, So, but it's crafted. It does take a bit of work to find, but it's a, sometimes a lot easier to find these crafted pieces than it is to find the actual drops. Um Finally, Darkmoon Fair has several purchasable collections available that you buy with Darkmoon Fair tickets. Now, i got to admit, I have not actually checked these out because I'm a hodgepodge player and I don't want it to be handed to me. I kind of like the thrill of the hunt to find some of these pieces. For the record, I would prefer them just handed over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I would just prefer somebody to hand it over. Find something I like and then find – so – yeah. Just, you know, it, the search is fun. If you're hunting for that one last piece, that can be fun. Uh, but, yeah, I would rather just go and buy the piece and be done with it. So, <laughs> I like to spend my Dark Moon Fair tickets on pets and mounts. So, you know, if I'm spending, I think they're around 50 to $75, to $75, uh, 75 tickets. Um, Depending on the on the items, they are 55 75 85 and I think 110 Okay. Um, but... It's, uh, don't quote me on that one. These are the vanilla pieces, if I'm correct, right? The vanilla? The original game sets, they represent the dungeon, uh, dungeon sets and the original Raid 0 0.5 and Raid 1 gear sets that you can still get from running the old raids, Molten Core, uh, Blackwing Lair, um, Strat I don't think the uh, Stratton's Gold. There, no, Stratton's Gold have been downgraded to a level 45 range, so they don't drop the same gear sets anymore. Okay. Uh, but the raid sets can still drop from uh, Molten Core. In fact, the Pally gear set that I'm wearing is virtually all from Molten Core mm -hmm. with a couple of placeholders while I wait for the other. I'm still waiting for the uh, shoulders to drop. So... <clears throat> 
I could go and buy the appropriate shoulders from the Darkmoon Fair vendor, and that would be the set. It will have the exact look. But uh, although you I like You want to chase them down. It's not that. <laughs> I do want to chase that one down because I already have all the other originals, and I'm kind of yeah. a purist. If I'm going to buy a set, then I'm going to buy a whole set. If I'm going to grind a set, then I make a decision in my mind to grind the set. I'm kind of a purist, and I'd like to grind that set. But believe me, I'm not very um, enthusiastic about it. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's a few options for you. Even if you don't transmog, take a look at this these things anyway, because they're – this is an excellent way of making a few dollars on the auction house because there are people out there who do transmog, and sometimes the simplest item will sell for an awful lot. Do you have any tips you'd like to include in there? Uh, be patient. <laughs> yeah, this isn't going to happen overnight for this sure. Is not something that you're going to be able to. to um, I think um, the best advice uh, is just stay in your own comfort zone in terms of looking for things if you are um, a level 50 tune you may want to wait till you're a higher level before you start thinking about a final uh, transmog set that also said while you're questing around and running in these dungeons if you find a cool piece hang on to it because sometimes they're not hard to they're difficult to find and you won't be able to find it at level Um, five Another great source for pieces, I don't know if you mentioned this, I didn't hear it, uh, the auction house is a great place to find that one perfect item. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep in mind, however, that you have no control over what somebody's going to charge for that one perfect item that you're But looking. you might find that item and then look it up on Wowhead, for example, and find out where it drops and get it yourself. And that's a great uh, idea as well. Yes. I know the Axe of Renji, which is the transmogged, source that I use for my Lawbringer set fits perfectly and it's really not an item that can be um, it, you can go out and try and grind for it you certainly can but it's one of those things that you might spend a full year 20 hours a week grinding for it and never see it mm-hmm. I happened to be in the auction house and saw it in there for 150 gold and I just said yoink because I know I can grind 150 gold back in about 40 minutes uh, grinding for other things, so <laughs> that was a that was an easy easy thought for me. Mm-hmm. So you have to sort of stay within your your comfort zone, stay where you're at. Uh, like Shakti said, if you're going to uh, if you're finding a piece that you may not want to put on the gear you're using, especially while leveling, now you change your gear so much. Transmogging while you're leveling if is you're actually not- a way to maintain some sort of continuity. Um, also, another source of transmogging gear is the BOA gear. Yes, you can BOA use gear, BOA gear as a source. Uh, PVE and the PVP versions are can be transmogged and can be the source for transmog. Right, and I actually use that for a few of my pieces. So, I think my cloak, most notably for my mage, is a uh, is the BOA caster. Cloak. <laughs> <laughs> I, I <laughs> to have find a nice bright red cloak like that, it's it's difficult. It's, it's to find the right balance of color scheme yeah yes uh and uh i i say um put things in the auction house that's another piece of advice that you don't need put them in the auction house for a reasonable price i realize everybody wants to make a few extra gold but it's so easy to make gold guys it really is 
that the idea of putting uh, an axe, a rare drop axe, in the auction house for 25,000 gold is ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's that kind of thinking that actually, in my opinion, promotes gold farming, mm-hmm. right? So if we, I mean, I'm not saying don't make a few gold at it, right? But you didn't spend any money to get that item. You were grinding for something else, and you found it, and you got lucky. So that's good, and I'm glad that you're able to make a few gold pieces on that. But, you know, uh, just prices need to come down on the auction house, and <laughs> your transmogging especially. It's supposed to be fun, and it's supposed to be for well, the There result. are some difficult-to-get pieces, and some players know which ones they, they are. Those so. are. And the players that know that they're difficult to get know that they're asking a reasonable price for asking for them. And the only people that are going to pay for that are the ones that already have most of the set. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the greens that drop from just about every mob at level 25 drops the same type of green. And then you go to the auction house and there will be, you know, 10 gold, 10 gold, 10 gold, 10 gold, 10 gold, 3,000 gold. That person isn't getting it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm just throwing that out there. So transmogging is a, is a, it is a fun thing to do while we wait for the next patch to drop in case you have, you're at that point where you've done all the content and whatnot. So take a look around, see what you can find. <laughs> Sorry. In case you've done all the content, turn off your game and go outside, get some fresh air. Shush. Okay. That's what I was laughing at. <laughs> that's, that's not valid. You, you didn't hear that at all. <laughs> Nobody wants to shut off the game. Nobody wants to Forget turn off that. the game. We'll find something else to do. All right. It's so, also, uh, this is uh, just occurred to me now. This is a great opportunity <laughs> to go and do some of these older older content that maybe you've never oh, done. Absolutely. Have, have, absolutely. If you've only been playing since the beginning of Wrath, have you ever been to Anchorage? Do you even know where it is? <laughs> I'm wondering. I'm curious to know. Have you know done Molten is. Core? I've done it. Blackwing Lair. How many people can say they know the changes in Max from what it was to what it is? Yeah. Right? Anyways. So you this can't is, do this the old Max anyway now, so it doesn't matter. What's that? You can't do the old Max anyway Well, no, else. but that's, that's what I mean. How many can say that the old Max and can remember what it was like and can make a fair comparison to the new Max? Mm-hmm. No, right. this is a good way of, of checking out the old content. It's a good excuse to get out there and take your level 85 overly geared death knight and kill all of Molten Core in one pull. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, I want to see you do that. Yeah, me too. Vid, vid or it doesn't happen. <laughs> exactly. And then link the video to us, please. I would love right. to see that. Because I'm still dying at that stupid fire boss from the living bomb because I'm not putting him in the right spot. Anyway, yeah, that's, gotta, that's gotta topic for another right day. Topic for another day. Yeah, anyway, I think that the old level raid, level sixty raids. All right, <laughs> all right. So I think Maybe that concludes our episode <laughs> five. If you have any comments or questions on today's podcast, please feel free to contact us. You can find us on our blog at rollingforloot.blogspot.com. You can find us on our Facebook page at Rolling for Loot, or on Twitter as at Rolling for Loot. Thanks for listening. I'm Himotep, and I'm Shakti. See, See you, you next time. time. Thank you.